You're listening to That's Pretty Dark. The podcast where we talk about all of the entertainment that scared us as children and still haunts us as adults. So grab your flashlight and join us as we take a frightfully nostalgic look over our shoulders and under our beds and in our closets. And together we'll realize, whoa, that's pretty dark. dark. (laughs) Welcome back to (laughs) That's Pretty Dark. Mm. My name is Kaylin. And I am Christian Mott. I'm full of pizza. That's great. And now I have beer. So I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be in the listener's chair. I'm uh, full of vegan mac and cheese and I'm coughing because I've had a chronic cough for mm. most of my life. You know, the typical nerdy kid uh, issue. I don't think that was a stereotype so. of nerdy kids. I think it was like inhalers. Coughing, sniffling. They were like, yeah, inhalers, asthma, allergies, all that stuff. Yeah, I guess allergies. I just, I guess I just meant, I don't know. I always saw like inhalers and glasses and stuff. But I had inhalers. I didn't have glasses though. I'll leave the glasses to you and and to Gary and to Gary, our fearless leader, our bespectacled butt cut guy. The butt cut. Yeah. <laughs> we do love Gary. I had a stutter as a kid. Oh. <clears throat> I saw a speech therapist like one time. He turned out to be a pedophile. Whoa. That's a whole other ball game. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other story. He didn't, wow. he didn't get me. Thank God. And uh, yeah, there was a raid <laughs> on his office and they found a bunch of child porn on his computer. That is his actual like patients that like, kids he oh was seeing because he would be he was like, well, how I really need to observe your child is in uh, um in his natural environment. So I'll, I'll need to come to your home and spend some time with him in isolation. Mm. Like that he is literally was trying to sell that idea to my parents, and they were like, um, wow, check please. No way. So yeah, thank God your parents were on. Top I know of my it. parents are smart. Thank God. So yeah, we got out of there. Uh, a lot of kids are not that lucky. And uh, it still happens and it's awful. It's happened forever, but it's just like horrific. I just can't imagine. So, uh, you know, I got out unscathed. (laughs) Yeah, you made it. I made it (laughs) out. You made it. And I am. Well, unscathed relatively. You were unscathed in that situation, but in that situation. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Gosh. So, anyway, that brings us to (laughs) season one, episode one, which I'm so excited to hear and learn about from you. Yeah. Because these stories are all about people who. Come after children, try to harm them. Mm-hmm. You know, these situations that they're put into or the villains that they meet, part of it was to relate to kids, but also another part was to say, like, to kind of have kids go, well, I don't have it that bad. You know, my yeah. gym teacher wouldn't lock me in the basement, you know, like, right. <laughs> whatever it is, like, that these these villains were larger than life mm-hmm. and helped put real life in perspective. But not to say that there aren't real life monsters, because obviously, oh yeah, obviously there are for sure. But I'm excited to talk about the uh, first episode of the first season of Are You Afraid of the Dark, called The Tale of the Phantom Cab. Correct. As as we talked about earlier, uh, this wasn't the first episode that was shot of the series. It was actually filmed after the fact, after the pilot, which. Turned out to be episode four. Mm-hmm. So everybody in this episode, it's kind of cool because they had to go back and say, no, but wait, you know, we have to explain who these kids are and what they're doing and all that fun stuff. So this episode kind of tees up the Midnight Society and introduces everybody for the journey that you're going to go on for the next several years of successful children's horror show. They really just did that. They're like, okay, cool. We're just going to open the first episode and just basically give you a quick rundown. Yeah. Like who we are and what we do. And I mean, pretty cool. you know, but but we love stuff that kind of throws us in the middle. So it wouldn't have bothered me if they had aired the pilot first. Oh, but yeah, I know. It's a kid's show. So I understand the the need or the impulse to like go back and yeah. kind of fill things out. 
But I will say um, it was the first episode, as we kind of talked about, to air as part of like a regular season during the SNCC block on Nickelodeon, the Saturday Night Nick block. Snick. And it aired originally on August 15th, 1992, mm. and was obviously the beginning of an era. And they, they talked a lot about, you know, Saturday night TV and that being a bad night for TV generally, but mm -hmm. not if you tap into the right audience. And so this was kind of that. Yeah. And then eventually there was a teen Nick element to it. I think Are You Afraid of Dark aired on that too. So it, right, right, it right. kind of stuck with that sort of crowd. I have a note here to kind of talk about the ratings because in all of these things, all the things that we're going to discuss, it's kind of like who let us watch that or who put that on TV or how did that even end up happening? Um, it is geared towards children, obviously, but the material is usually pretty dark. Mm -hmm. But Are You Afraid of the Dark has a rating of TVY7 from the FCC, the Federal Communications really? Commission. Really? Seven? Yeah. Uh, it's suitable for anyone age seven and older. I would not and say that. <laughs> I personally wouldn't either. I would at least say 12, maybe 10 I was going to say like 11. Yeah. I certainly watched it when I was seven. I, I did. Well, but. oh, we did, but, you know, you see how we turned out. <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of the whole idea here is, like, it probably wasn't, like, surprising that it was Y7, but that was kind of the rating system um, at the time. It was, like, and I maybe even still, you're either under six or you're suitable for seven and up. And I feel like there's, a, there's some more steps that might should be taken in that. There's got to be. Were the kids, were the seven-year-olds older back then than the kids today? Or mm. was it because of the stuff that we watched that we were more mature? Don't yeah, really know. I don't know. I would say that um, seven-year-olds are older today. Like, it's different because they're they're exposed to so much more. They have the internet to look into. Like, true. they can go find things at seven years old that we couldn't find at seven years old. Very true. Like TikTok. I've, but like they consume things today that maybe are not suitable for seven-year-olds, but I still somehow think that we had the maturity, which it's probably just because I was, you know, seven in the nineties, but like, I don't, know. I don't know. There's a maturity that I feel like isn't all the way there today. <laughs> now we're just on a kids today rant. These kids today. That's, that's not necessarily what we're here for, but um, <laughs> might come up from time Anyway. Uh, the Tale of the Phantom Cab was directed by Ron Oliver, and he actually got his start directing this 80s cult classic movie called Prom Night 2. It was the second one. Okay. Um, it, it didn't directly relate to the first. It just used the same um, setting, which was like a high school, but it was basically like a slasher. It was a Canadian slasher nice. movie. I want to watch and that. And this particular movie revolved around a vengeful young woman who died on her prom night in 1957. Dang. So it's kind of cool. I love the prom night ghost idea. Like, I feel like there are a lot of iterations of that in different places, even in Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I haven't seen this film, but I think it's cool that he... That's where he kind of started. Was it four kids? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I, not from what I saw, but I probably would have watched it. Just like as an, a kid. an urban legend slasher movie. Yeah. Nice. And then he also directed, which I haven't seen these either, but as soon as I was looking it up, I instantly wanted to. Um, he directed episodes of a Nancy Drew series and a Hardy Boys series in 1995. Wow, I didn't know that existed. So he's kind of doing a lot of the things that are quintessential to my childhood in that. And then obviously, Are You Afraid of the Dark? But then after Are You Afraid of the Dark, he also did several episodes of Goosebumps and uh, that show. I don't know if you remember the Animorphs. Yeah, 
Of course. Um, <laughs> which it kind of has a similar vibe. It's not huh. necessarily horror, but it was weird hmm. um, where the kids, you know, morph in and out of animals. And I remember that like that as a book series, too. So he's done a lot of those things from our childhood. Nice. And the episode was written by Chloe Brown, <laughs> which we learned <laughs> last time is actually DJ McHale, the show's creator. That was his pen name. And so he wrote this episode as well. Um, he actually wrote 19 episodes as himself, and he wrote 15 episodes under the pen name Chloe Brown. Wow. So I wasn't able to find, like, why, <laughs> like, why he did, you know, the pen name or why it was Chloe Brown. But... I need to know why. I want to ask him. Yeah, please, DJ, Gosh, tell us. Why would you do that? Explain yourself. And you probably want a summary of yeah, the episode. Yeah, I absolutely want a summary. The summary on IMDb mm. <laughs> says... Two brothers, while lost in the woods, come across a mysterious cab driver and a very unusual man named Dr. Vink, who won't let any of his victims go unless they solve a riddle. Vink. So that's v the v IMDb summary with a v v v. My personal summary is more like two brothers who would still only care about arguing with one another, even in the face of certain death, meet some real creepazoids in the woods, and then they try to solve some riddles under extreme pressure. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell it like it is, you know? Like, that's just what happened. These folks in the woods are weirdos. Um, I probably would have just run screaming oh, at, yeah. at the first well, You mention. know, these kids never do what, what we would do. They always do, never. like, the opposite. That's, yeah, it wouldn't be a horror if not if they did. Right. You got to make some bad decisions. Something's got to be scary. Got to. Sweet. So, yeah. So the episode opens with this, like, 10-second shot of nothing but the campfire. So you're hearing Gary talk, but all you see for, like, 10 seconds is the campfire. And so this is, like, the world's introduction to Are You Afraid of the Dark as a series mm -hmm. um, in this moment. And just all you see is the campfire. And I kind of love that they did it that way because as soon as you're stuck staring into that campfire for a second it begins your suspension of disbelief. It like engages whatever that is as a child where you, you sit around a campfire and tell stories and have that like moment of like, it's almost sacred. Yeah. And so they really place you there with that shot, which I thought was really great. That's nice. Yeah. And you're waiting for somebody to kind of betray the warmth of the fire and the friendly voices and like say something scary mm -hmm. and then it all changes and in that case that's what gary does kind of he kind of begins to explain uh, what the midnight society is we're called the midnight society separately we're very different we like different things we go to different schools and we have different friends one thing draws us together the dark each week we gather around this fire to share our fears and our strange and scary tales it's what got us together and it's what keeps bringing us back this is a warning to all who join us you're going to leave the comfort of the light and step into the world of the supernatural. <laughs> My heart is just like, yes, I want to be a part of this. This is something that I should be involved in. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Which is, and that's why we're here too. It's the same thing, basically. Did you ever have those nightmares where you you had the normal scene, whatever you were doing with like your family or your friends or whatever? Like for me, it was always in like uh, like my room or like the backyard or something. But there was always like edges to the dream where it was darker. Like I had like an actual like perimeter huh. 
to this yeah. to the scene of my dream. Whoa. I guess that has happened to me in dreams, but I feel like that's common in TV too, like especially stuff like this, where it's just like you go just a little beyond where you're supposed to be. It must have come from shows like this. Yeah. Just teaching me about how like the light is safety, the darkness is not safety. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I love that he said that, like the comfort of the light. I always mm-hmm. say the safety of the light. Mm-hmm. And I always venture off into the darkness in my nightmares where I'm trapped, I can't get back, puppets come to life, things start talking to me, it's super scary. I definitely have those moments of like, I've landed somewhere where I can't get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that resonates. And I feel like I really need to. <laughs> like, that definitely happens. Oh, yeah. And that's all the kids in these stories, um, especially this one. They're literally lost. Yeah, in this story, it's literal. And I feel like it does happen pretty often where it's, we don't know where to go. We don't know where we are. We've gone too far, essentially. It's when you take something too far. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what a lot of this kind of media is warning against. Mm -hmm. Stay in your lines, you know. Yeah, be careful. Don't go past the edges. Be very careful. Unless you're part of the Midnight Society. Yeah. Which I love. But even even if you don't, here are some lessons. Here are some things you can do to get back. Like it's it's almost some weird This is how you handle it. Non specific guidelines. Yeah. Cool. So he introduces the Midnight Society. Yes. And after after he uh, gives his little speech and his warning, he like kind of gestures to the darkness and these two kids come out of the woods and one of them is blindfolded. And we learn that the blindfolded kid is named Frank and he's wanting to join the Midnight Society. That's his his goal. And Mm -hmm. Gary kind of outlines the rules for that. We talked a little bit in another episode about that, like induction. There's this sacredness. There's this. Yeah, there's this ceremony to what's happening. And it's very much understood, like, you must be inducted. You must have this, like, process uh, to become one of us kind of thing. Uh, and so he's blindfolded. And uh, Gary Gary says, you know, before we can let you in, you have to tell a story, a scary story, obviously. Then the group is going to vote on whether or not you can come in. And it has to be unanimous or you don't make it. So it's a lot of pressure. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you walk into this area, you don't know where you are, you don't know who you're with, and... You just have to tell a story and hopefully appease these people. Mm-hmm. So kind of scary in general for a kid to just kind of have to be on the spot and do the thing. Yeah, but not not Frank. <laughs> <laughs> but not Frank. Frank doesn't he's mind. He's like, I'm ready. Are you ready? He, well, he's more like, can you please take off this blindfold? And Gary's right. like, no, not until you get in. Uh, they make it very clear that they don't want anybody that's not in the Midnight Society to know where they are, which yeah. makes sense. It's a secret location. Yeah. Very secret. His sponsor is with him. That's his his friend David. He's another member of the Midnight Society. And Gary says that as the sponsor, um, David has to do the honors, basically. So he produces the classic, iconic cloth bag with the magic dust mm-hmm. inside, which we we learned what that is uh, last episode. Go back and listen to it. Yeah. It, yeah. If you want to know, go listen to it. Go listen to it, you jerks. You, you blame the balls. cheese balls. <laughs> and so he... <laughs> He holds up the bag and he has uh, Frank say the words, magic words. And he's like, you remember how? Like, I guess he's kind of coached Frank up on it uh, before they walked in, which is fun. Mm -hmm. And Frank says, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. He calls the story the tale of the Phantom Cab. And David does the honors and tosses the dust into the fire. Boom. So such a great moment. Every single time. Never gets old for me. So good. It never, ever gets old. So then we meet, you know, the, the protagonists of the story in the story. Um, and it's two brothers, older brother Denny and younger brother Buzz Crocker. Denny is the classic, like, big, strong, punky kid, you know. And then Buzz is kind of a little, 
he's smaller, a little less sure of himself, and they kind of describe him as like a geek or, yeah. you know, the, the lesser, which is, you know, whatever. The, the goal, Frank basically says, is that Buzz is looking for an opportunity to prove himself to Denny. Yeah. He's a man too kind of thing and yeah. kind of living up to this older brother idea of what a person is or should be. Yeah. I, I feel like that's pretty classic in a lot of 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Media, movies, you have this sibling dynamic, and I'm one of two. My, I have a younger sister, and she's two years younger than me. But I feel like she was usually picking on me, not usually the other way around. So it's always <laughs> funny for me when I see, like, stories like this, because I'm like, I mean, I understand that. But I had I never really had an impulse to, like, intentionally annoy yeah. her, because I just was like, please leave me alone kind of yeah. thing. I was the youngest of two sisters, and they bullied me. I was the... Uh, <laughs> so you understand how this goes. I was the wimpy little... Cry baby. <laughs> You're the buzz. You're the claustrophobia. Buzz in this, in this picture. Yeah, I cried like every day. Mm. That was me. Man, that's rough. Rough time. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, as we know already, and as the listener knows, if you've listened to our pilot episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, <laughs> it, it, go back and listen Better to it because we talk about it for a second. It's pretty cool. But Denny is played by Jason Tremblay, mm -hmm. and he also mm -hmm. plays Bostic in the pilot episode. Bostic. So we talked about him for a minute. He's pretty cool in the world of horror. Emphasis on the boss. That's right. And the stick. <laughs> Um, okay. And then, so Buzz is actually played by a guy named Sean Vertigo, which I mean, Vertigo. that's a dope name. Vertigo. Nice. Also terrible. I hate Vertigo. Yeah. My dad has it. Ugh, it's, it's genetic. So watch out. No, I, I think I have it too, for <laughs> sure. But Sean has a smattering of credits also, including a 1996 episode of Goosebumps. Ooh. I think he's more into like music videos these days. The credits that I found for him, he's like writing, producing, directing oh, music nice. videos, all with very um, suggestive titles. So <laughs> not sure what's going on there, but it sounds like he's having fun. He's having mm. a good time. Good for him. Yeah. And the thing that I really wanted to point out about Buzz is that Again, if you go back and listen to our Tower of Terror episode, we talk about the reporter character in that film. His name is Buzzy Crocker. Buzzy Crocker. Clearly, DJ had an affinity for this name. Um, and as I mentioned in the Tower of Terror episode, he named the, these characters after one of his first characters in a student film of his from NYU. Mm -hmm. So he just hung on to that. And I mean, I respect it. Yeah. You know, you find a name you like, you stick with it. Stick with it, I guess. <laughs> He used it three times, at least, that we know of. I, I had to rewind it and go back and, I mean, re listen to me, rewind. Mm -hmm. I had to scrub backward on my mm -hmm. smart TV mm -hmm. um, to watch this. But I was like, what are they doing in the woods? It's really never explained why they're lost or where they are. Yeah, they just say they're on a hiking trip. There's no explanation of what yeah. they're doing, where their parents are, what's going on. Mm -mm. Nothing. Nope. They're just alone nope. in the woods. Yeah, we, we pick up and they are literally wandering through the woods. The younger brother's clearly like a Boy Scout. That's what I was going to say. I think he's in Boy Scouts. But Scout do you get the, the feeling Denny's like knows what he's doing? I guess or, so. I can't because tell. Because I wonder about this because as we see, um, Buzz is, he kind of makes a lot of mistakes <laughs> um, on this hiking trip. Yeah. And it's like, who who put you in charge? Like, why did you put him in charge? If, right. You know, like you could easily be in charge, but, you know, Buzz has the compass, Buzz has the map, mm -hmm. and he's supposed to be the leader of this little expedition for some reason, even though Denny is clearly more capable. And Denny's like, you said you could get us through or like you said you knew how to get through. And he's like, I did. I know. I know what I'm doing. 
It's like, well, why didn't Denny just take charge in the first place? But yeah. now we're reading too far into the story. <laughs> well, we'll get there. We'll get to some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but in in that vein, like one of the first things we hear is that Denny is like, you know, automatically right off the bat. He's just calling Buzz all sorts of things, all sorts of names. I have a list of these names. Do you have all of them? I, well, I, I wanted to talk about one in particular because one of the first ones he calls him is Tonto. Uh-huh. And I took that as a reference to like the Lone Ranger. Tonto means stupid in Spanish, but you would assume that it's a reference to the Lone Ranger because the, you know, character in the Lone Ranger was the sidekick and Mm -hmm. like they were out on an expedition and whatever. And so that's the place that your mind goes, I guess, especially in the 90s. You know, kids are people that were of age watching in the 90s. And as soon as I like realized that, because I mean, I knew that. But then once I absorbed it, I was like, that is like, that's hella racist. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's really not cool because (laughs) he's like United American and his name is Tonto. And like that really rubbed me the wrong way. And so I kind of dug into it a little bit because I was like, that's not cool. I don't like it. And of course, it probably did and would happen. And that's awful. But yeah, so the show is was originally a radio show. And then it became a show in the 50s, like a TV show. And it was ABC's like first hit TV show, The Lone Ranger. Obviously, Tonto does literally translate to like dumb person or stupid in Spanish and Portuguese and Italian. Wow. Um, And so a lot of countries dubbed it and they changed his name to Toro, like the bull um, or Ponto. So they they shifted it. Um, But the story, (laughs) and this is, you know, Wikipedia, the story is that the creator of uh, The Lone Ranger like had neighbors from the... uh, the Potawatomi tribe um, in Michigan. And they told him that the name Tonto in their language meant wild one. Okay. And so if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, this, you know, guy, uh, creator of (laughs) Lone Ranger, um, I guess he could and say he took it from their language and was unaware that it it meant something derogatory. Could be. I would love for that to be true, but I don't know if I buy it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you don't know. And I, I... not cool. But anyway, all that to say, uh, that's his first insult right out of the gate. Either way, um, it's used as an insult here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Regardless of if they knew, it is definitely meant as an insult here, which is, you know, it's got some racist undertones I am not fond of. Sure. <laughs> Do you want to hear the list of... Uh, yeah, hit me with uh, so the other... I, I think this is an exhaustive list of all of his insults. Every not... thing that he calls yeah, him on this Throughout episode. this episode. Yeah. Forgive me okay. if I missed one. Okay, tell me if I did. There were a lot. There were a bunch. When I wrote them down, there weren't as many as I thought there were going to be. So I'm like, did I just miss a couple? Anyway, so <laughs> the list is <laughs> Tonto, Cheese Ball, Lame Wad, Loser, <laughs> Jerk, Genius, sarcastically. Yep. <laughs> worthless. That's that's pretty intense. Worthless is pretty a Pretty literal. Like, that's a lot. Toad was one. <laughs> just okay. Toad. Um, and my favorite. Toad. Nutbag. <laughs> mm, hmm Oh, God, which, you know, I'm going to laugh at that every time. 100% of the time. <laughs> every time. And we know that it comes back. We learn eventually that it comes back. I'll discuss. I will discuss. But it, that insult uh, is common on Are You Afraid of the Dark? I don't think that the insults are warranted necessarily, but Buzz isn't doing the best job uh, at leading them where they're great. going. Um, no. He spills, like, the canteen on the map. 
and then he slips off the edge of this embankment right after Denny says, hey, watch the edge, and he slips right off of it. And during this part, um, it kind of made me laugh because a lot of Buzz's dialogue seems to be 80 yard. Oh, yeah. Like recorded after the fact. And so it's just funny, like all the little like yells and screams and things that he's saying. It's all totally yeah. dubbed in. There's a lot of that, yeah. Um, but he, he slips off the edge, and so they're having a time. Then he rescues him and basically says, I should have let you fall. So I don't think that's that's not quite an insult, but it's still a mean thing to say. It's pretty mean. <laughs> but night is falling very quickly on these boys and they're having a hard time finding their way uh, back to where they're going. Um, and they've been following Buzz's compass for like hours, he says. And, you know, they're they're lost at this point. And then yeah. at this point, this is when Denny decides to ask Buzz whether he, like, knows what he's doing. <laughs> it's like he's relied on him yeah. for hours. And then now he's going to question if he knows <laughs> what he's doing. Like, do you know how to use a compass? That kind of thing. That This is when he begins to ask questions, which I think is funny. Gosh. But they discover, or Denny points out, he, he asks, Buzz is like, no, we've been going south the whole time because the compass is pointing north and we're going this way, the opposite way. And Denny's like, well, genius, like you're you're holding it near your belt buckle and that's acting like a magnet. And mm -hmm. so your compass is, you know, being affected. I don't know that from personal experience, but it absolutely can happen. Yeah. <laughs> there, I was going to say, yes. I don't, I meant to look it up to see, because I I, it's obviously a magnetic pool. Right. But it's metal. I didn't know if like your belt buckle could Would be strong fit. enough. I didn't either. And it didn't, it sounded kind of far-fetched. It sounded like the convenient thing. Yeah. But I looked it up and it absolutely can happen. Okay. It's very common that that happens. So Good to word know. to the wives, if you are traveling and you're using a compass, uh, keep it away from your belt buckle or any other metal object. I feel like that should be talked about more. <laughs> is my point because I had no idea that could happen. Yeah, rule number one of Boy Scouts. <laughs> yes, and maybe it is. Maybe everybody that was in Boy Scouts is like, oh my gosh, shut up about the compass. Everybody knows that, but I didn't. Maybe. So there you maybe go. Maybe it's one of those obvious things that we don't know about. <laughs> so then Buzz is like, no, I know the way. And then he runs off into the woods, which- Don't do that. No, you don't, clearly. If you knew the way, they, you would have found the way by now. He's like, I know this place, and right? And at that point, I'm getting a little annoyed as an older sibling, because I'm like, oh my God, like you can't just run off into the woods. That's not cool. Yeah, and right. in tr you know f true fashion, um, bad things are going to happen to kids that run off into the darkness. Mm -hmm. This flashlight comes up over the through the woods, uh, over the hill, and they have a little bit of conversation about it. And Buzz is like, maybe it's a maniac killer in a hockey mask <laughs> who's going to slash us. Right. Which I thought was really good. And, it's and like, Denny's of like, of course it probably is. He's like, maybe I should do the talking. <laughs> like, he's like, you should. Yeah. He, he's like, let me handle this. Gosh, Which it's so finally, funny. like, thank God Denny's going to handle something, you know? He's been kind of a freeloader at this point, like relying on his little brother to get them out of he's trouble. He's just been insulting him and not even helping at all. Yeah. Not helping in the slightest. So he kind of steps up to to take the reins on this yeah. one. Um, but this dude comes out of the woods. And this creepy mofo. Yeah, he introduces God. himself as Flynn. And they're like, oh, are you a ranger? And he's like, oh, and, you know, he laughs it off. He's like, not a ranger. I'm just a traveler like you. And anytime an adult talks to you like that in that slow yeah. way, it's very un unsettling, unsavory, not cool. So immediate, you know, creeper vibes. Me and Buzz both are like, nah, man, this guy. Mm. Um, don't like him. And they're like, you know, are we far from town? And he's like, oh, farther than you know, my friend, farther than you know. And immediately I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. Putting off a real creepy vibe, Flynn. Yeah, Flynn, you don't have to. Nobody asked for this. Like, just can you help us or not? Yeah, let us know, please. And don't, yeah, don't act like this. 
so then Flynn's like, no, I can help you. I can, well, he, he says, I'll take you to someone who can help. No, just take me the heck out of the woods. Like, yeah. don't take me to someone that can help. I don't want to meet anybody Can't you else? help? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, right. But apparently not. So he's going to take them to someone that can help. And then as they're walking, he explains that there's this doctor that has a cottage in the woods. At that point, I think I would respond and be like, I don't need a doctor. Uh, I need to get out of here. Yeah, right. I need a park ranger. I need someone that's going to get me out of the woods. But they follow him because what choice do they have? And they're, like, asking what he means and why does a doctor live here or whatever. And he's just like, patience, boys. Like, real slow and scary-like. And then he starts to ask them if they're good at riddles. Red flags. they're like, why do you need to know if we're good at riddles? And he's like, just asking. Just asking. That's all he says. Just asking. Nobody needs to know that. And so they, they keep going. And eventually they reveal this cabin um, like a hut more so in the woods. It looks literally like, you know, the hut where Denny says to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves live here. Yeah, right. right um, right. Or just the Seven Dwarves. It's very like Hobbit-like, this hut. And there's this ominous orange light, you know, spilling out behind the door. Mm-hmm. And Flynn brought him to this man for help. And he says that they should be sure they really need help before they go asking. Because the price he charges is a little steep. So you you know that we need help, but you're telling us to be sure we really need it before we go knock on the store. And how far did he walk them through the woods before he's like, oh, by the way, make sure you really want this, kids. Like, <laughs> I've already followed you. They could have like, just walked what? like four miles. I mean, we don't know how long it's been. Yeah. Good it's, grief. These poor kids, they're going to freeze to death. That's what they keep saying. They keep saying it's so cold and they're going to freeze. So yeah, kind of awful. Don't like that, Flynn. Don't like that at all. He then immediately just disappears. There's no more Flynn. All gone. No, he's all chuckles. Just Yeah, just chuckles. And I, I had a note here about that kind of thing where he, you know, seems almost off-puttingly good-natured. He's like, he's not immediately evil. He's not repulsive. He's just too nice. Yeah, that's like uh, Mrs. Clove. Yeah. She's like, special boys. I got a special treat for you, special boys. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, God, stop calling Any- me special. I don't like it. <laughs> Anytime that somebody is too nice like that, like sickly sweet is the... And, and Flynn's kind of like that too. Saccharin yeah. molasses. Ooh, don't like Stop it. Stop it. When adults are too friendly yes. or too understanding of the children, it's it's too much. You, you you're up to you're up to no good. Don't try. It's exactly to like. what my mom would like warn me about. Yeah. Um. Like the whole stranger danger thing. But there's this weird like nonchalance about it. Like yeah. I'm too casually asking you to come do this or too casually mentioning this to you. Like mm-hmm. this fake you know f- vibe. And it's such like an instinct for a kid, I feel like, to know that that's kind of, and it may be in part instinct, but part the stranger danger, all the stories and things that we're told yeah. and warned about. It's like, that's off-putting and you know something's wrong. Oof. And that's a lot of villains. Like, it happens a lot in Courage the Cowardly Dog and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. You, you play nice. You, you pretend. You're playing nice and it's horrifying. It's all trying to lure you in. Yeah, God, it's so scary. Horrifying. Yeah. But if you're wondering, Flynn is played by Brian Dooley, and that's a Canadian actor. And he comes back, actually, for an episode in season four. Um, and I couldn't find, I didn't find a smattering of things that he's done, really. No smatterings. But if you're listening and you want a mental picture of this dude, just, like, imagine Andy Richter, the actor. And then just imagine that he has a Canadian accent. Andy Richter. And then maybe some pale makeup. My favorite thing that Andy Richter has done, he was in an American national movie called New York Minute. And he was like the villain in that movie. But he's done a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah. But he does have a very familiar face. He has that face. Mm-hmm. Has that going for him. And yeah. the Canadian accent. What's more friendly than a Canadian accent? Oh, 
<laughs> Clearly Canadian. Yeah. So he's told them basically, don't ask for help here unless you need it. Gee, Flynn. <laughs> Thanks. Good advice, pal. <laughs> what do you think? What are we going to do? Do we ask? Do we not? Um, but they're obviously, Denny's just insulting Buzz still left oh, and right. Yeah. And as they're debating, you start to hear these like snapping twigs, you know, in the bushes around them. And then you start to hear like the sound. And it, at first, it's really hard to tell like whether it's a laugh or a cry. And that is so scary to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, like you don't know what it is. Yep. Um, you don't know if it's good or bad. Like you can't tell, but it's the sound that you start to hear. And then there's this like howling scream and then like a chorus of howling screams are added to that. And then there's this wicked laughter mm-hmm. that joins in. And so it's just all these like wild, spooky sounds. And all the sounds were great. Except <laughs> I started to laugh because it's like juxtaposed with these insert shots of the bushes uh, next to them. And they're <laughs> yeah. violently shaking. Like someone is standing and shaking the bushes. Yeah. It's and so it's like funny. you hear these sounds. And so they're meant to be coming from the bushes, I guess. But uh, as an adult, you know, that kind of <laughs> took me out of it a little bit. I was like, you don't have to like violently. Sh- you could just like show a picture of a bush blowing in the wind and I'd be scared. Do you get the, uh, I got the vibe that these, these voices were trying to like push them to the house, to the cottage. Yeah. Don't second guess this. You can't go anywhere else. Go. There's nowhere else to go. We are surrounding you. This mm-hmm. is surrounding you. You have no choice. We find out there's a reason for that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't we won't get to that yet. But mm-hmm. so yeah, you kind of feel like they're second guessing it. They they might maybe decide to leave, but this is the last straw. They it pushes them to the door. Yes, they have nowhere else to go. Yes, and so these violently vibrating bushes <laughs> lead them to um, go ahead into the hut, and they start just banging on the door. The door opens, and it reveals this like bearded guy, very wide eyes, just kind of looking at them, and he's not like he's not. Evil, you know, there's not that like, yeah, there, there's there's something sinister, but it's not like an apparent evil. He's very whimsical, yeah. He's just whimsical is a good word. He's very, you don't necessarily trust him, but you're not terrified. He's not scary, either. he's more like, he's, not scary. He's, he's aloof, sort of devil may care, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just he's just sort of like, he's aware that they are there, but he doesn't directly address them except in pieces. He's almost always somewhere else. It's that classic, like, mad scientist character yeah. that's just like. Elsewhere. Mad scientist, right. <laughs> you know right. that he's not with you really. Um, he's he's thinking about something else. He's aware of you moving. Because if you were to try to leave, he would know you were trying to leave. Right. But he's not looking at you and he's talking to himself. Yeah. And so it's weird. It, it is it is scary. Yeah, they're they're almost always talking to themselves more than they are to you. Mm-hmm. And that's off-putting too. It's that idea that like adults feel like they just control you no matter what. Right. Yeah, they don't have to address you. Yeah, it's spooky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he leads the boys inside, and it, they, they're in kind of a scientist lab in this hut. So there's all these beakers and bottles and potions and liquids mm-hmm. everywhere, ex- jars, experiments. Yeah. And um, he's talking about riddles already, and then he introduces himself as Dr. Vink. And then it's a recurring thing. They say Fink, like with an F, yeah. Fink. And he says, no, Vink with a V, V, V. Um, and he he says that almost every time I think maybe every single time he's introduced because Dr. Vink actually does uh, come back throughout the series the the inside of the house reminded me a lot of the um, the Sanderson sisters from from Hocus Pocus yes the inside me too it was just like spot on maybe more like beakers and glass more scientific more scientific but same vibe yeah and so Dr. Vink is played by Aaron Tager Uh, we mentioned him a little bit last episode right but he uh, was an artist poet and sculptor and he's from brooklyn new york and then he moved to canada and he started acting in theater and he is married to ann page who played the 
witch in the last episode, the villain, mm -hmm. which is super cool. Um, Already Afraid of the Dark was his first television role, actually. Hmm. Um, and Dr. Vink is the only re like recurring villain in the series. Wow. Um, so a lot of sources online kind of say he's like the main antagonist of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because he does return. That's interesting that there's never like a distinct Are You Afraid of the Dark? The return of Dr. Vink. I know. Something yeah. specific that's him uh, focused since he's such a big player throughout yeah, the series. Comes back quite a lot. I think that'd be cool. I wish they would do that. Yeah, it'd be well, dope. I'll, I'll tell you in a second why they can't necessarily. Well, I can but, guess. you know, anytime there's a you know need of a mad scientist kind of person, he, he shows up. Yeah. Um, and the Wikipedia notes say that his activities were usually villainous, designed to put the characters in peril and allow him the last laugh. And it makes me think of like Count Olaf in Series of Unfortunate yeah, Events. Yeah. It's like he's always going to don these hats to like gain control. Yeah, super And Dr. Bink is that way throughout the episode or throughout the series. I mean, uh, he appeared in several Canadian films, um, including The Busy World of Richard Scarry no in 1993. Yes. And he was also in one of my very favorite movies of all time. Uh, serendipity in 2001 really he played the janitor that's cleaning up the chairs after the wedding and oh, that like delivers wow. the pretty like iconic line yeah um or iconic information iconic news i should say that's awesome so i did not know that kind of great but unfortunately he did pass away in february of 2019 yeah so fairly recently super sad rest in peace aaron prequel Young Dr. Vink. Oh, 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 the origin story. The origin story. We're getting so many villain origin stories lately. I would I would see that. I would, I would, I would totally watch that. Yeah, that's crazy. He had a pretty good career then. Wow. Just to like mm -hmm. all of a sudden like move to Canada and like get into theater and then you're just acting all of a sudden yeah, and all this big acting, stuff. Big stuff. Big Canadian. Like all those were filmed in, in Canada. So yeah, pretty cool. Clearly. So Dr. Vink, then he's really cheerful, way too excited, way more excited than he needs to be. Mm -hmm. And so he offers the boys some tea and then he informs them that he's, you know, studying nature mm -hmm. and he's conducting experiments in the forest. Yeah. And he tells them that he, he wants to harness the electric impulses that continue in the brains of creatures after they die, which immediate red flag i'm tipped off i as a, <laughs> even as a child as a seven-year-old or younger yeah. perhaps i understand you know i understand what's going on at this point um and i don't like it i have a tangent planned oh yes for this, if you if you if there's nothing else you want i mean i he 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 holds up this uh slimy goopy goo which mm -hmm. is very nickelodeon very um yeah, yeah. 90s you know you like the gross gross out kind of stuff in a much more practical and like tacked out way yeah and he says that it's a boar's brain mm -hmm. and so then he starts in on his you know you need to answer some riddles for me and then he tells right. them that riddles exercise the brain and where would you be with no brain and of course immediately i'm thinking oh you want their brains to be nice and exercise you want right. lots of electricity like yikes very scary. For them to talk about this in the 90s again, I'm sure that was just a reference to like Frankenstein stuff and like mad, mm -hmm. mad scientist, uh, you know, stuff like that. But in 2019, scientists were able to, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, revive a dead pig brain. Like it had been dead for like four hours and it was pigs that had been slaughtered for food consumption. They weren't, they didn't like murder a pig to study. For science, yeah. It, it was something that was going to happen anyway. So they were able to... Uh, basically create this like chemical soup that was consisted of like oxygen and nutrients and other things and put the brains in this like soup. Ugh. And then they were able to actually bring the brains back to life. Wild. So that the cells were functioning. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a dead brain anymore. Like it stopped Ugh. decomposition. The cells were alive. It didn't go into like decay. 
It didn't go into death mode. Wow. It stayed alive as long for as long as they wanted it to. And that's the craziest thing to me. And it freaked me out because for it to maintain its ethics, they, they made the conscious decision, pun intended, to not let it achieve awareness and consciousness. Ooh. So they had to actually... That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> they had to change certain or, or like not activate certain parts of the brain. Like if it were actually in your body, it would have an immune system like blood cells. It would have all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff given to it that allow, allows us to have, be a conscious and be a, a aware. If we give it its awareness back, it's literally alive. And that's unethical because we don't know what that means. We don't know yeah. what that does. No. This is a threshold in scientific experiment and scientific study since people were literally like opening up corpses to study, you know, the anatomy of a human body. Like yeah. it's the most taboo thing we've done in a long time aside from like stem cells. Wow. And that kind of stuff. But like oh even that's gosh. like a little bit more straightforward. This they literally they just don't know what's going to happen if they bring a brain back to life. And they can. As you were describing the brain in the bowl, I was like, what would that awareness even What would it be, be like? We have no idea. Is it just the worst pain you ever felt? Are you just in pain? Or do you feel yeah, nothing? Because I mean, there, there are definitely, you know, are pain receptors in the brain like that trigger pain. I feel I like, I don't know. I have no idea. The cool thing about it is once they can figure out the ethics, they were like, we just have to figure out what this means for, for humans. Because it plays a lot into brain trauma, like physical trauma to the brain. It it, yes. it changes people in comas, people with any kind of uh, brain injury or anything, any like a brain development that isn't quite developed, they might be able to actually finish de- developing your brain using mm-hmm. whatever the science is. And a thought that I had as well, it's like if somebody has a terminal illness or they know that they're going to pass away mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, you have the opportunity to ask for consent, which really helps in those situations Ooh, um, ethically. Yeah, you know, you could have somebody sign something to say, I allow you to experiment on my brain. <laughs> and and in that case, you know, I wonder if it, it, it reminds me a little bit of like, uh, Houdini and all of his seances mm. and like going to the other side and his oh, yeah. leaving all the plans and notes um, and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle doing the same where mm. he like mm-hmm. if I come back this is what I'll say like this is these are the keywords to look for if a medium is claiming that they're speaking to me they won't like you can know that they're not being honest mm. unless they do these things I wonder if they would do that if they reanimated somebody's brain they've got like, to if if you have this awareness think about a you know a blue duck or something and they could look in the parts of their brain and see if they're <laughs> if that like you know they're thinking of something yeah i don't know it, like if the right synapses are, are yeah. connecting and stuff to to like visualize something they're quote unquote close to being able to like read minds using technology i don't know if mm-hmm. that's even true or not but if all this combines and they all figure out the ethics of it i think yeah. they're close to being able to at least bring up person who's brain dead mm-hmm. they might be able just to literally bring you back to life it makes me think saw- of Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I saw like an article the other day that, that said something about they recently were able to wake up someone that had been in a coma, mm-hmm. like w- by stimulating certain parts of the brain. Yeah. They like figured out what buttons to press, basically, yeah. <laughs> like what to Ooh. what to jog to wake somebody up from a coma, which really? is wild. Um, I'm sure it wouldn't work in every scenario because if there's a stroke or damage to different parts of the brain, it would probably change yeah. that. But still, to be able to on like on command wake somebody up from a coma is a big deal too. They blend that technology with this technology. Ooh. Ooh. So many. I love science. I really do. Um, I'm terrible at math, and that would have prevented me from ever getting any kind of biology or any type of. Uh, Science degree, chemistry just stopped me in my tracks in high school. I aced it, but I 
Oh, I hate yeah, that. it'd be it'd be so much. It would do so much for science, but it would be such a like like what if the soul was like an actual like literal tangible thing, and you bring mm-hmm. a person's body back? Well, what if the soul's gone and it's just a living zombies? Like we, it's zombies. All of our, I know. All of our pop culture has known this for forever. You know, it's it's not alive, but it's not dead. It's undead. Talk about tempting fate, like in the last episode. Yeah. Is this our monkey's paw? Our twisted claw? Is this it? This might be. It's. They need to stop Gosh. doing this. It's 2021. Making wishes that, yeah, be, it's the whole careful what you wish for. Like, oh, God. Full circle from episode one. <laughs> be careful you know, what you wish for. The undead. Yeah, I can't handle it. You never know what you, might, what you might cause. Yeah, thanks know. for that. Thanks for all that Don't info. bring someone Man. back from the dead. You never know who you're going to get. Oh, my gosh. And have you ever, I'm going, this is a whole other thing, but um, Black Mirror has that episode where they use AI to do a similar thing. Yes. Um, I won't spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but go watch that episode because at first you think this is the greatest thing to ever exist. And then nope. as the episode goes on, you start to realize, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, it's so bad. So It makes yeah. me think of wow. uh, Hector Concarne. Did you ever watch Evil Concarne on Cartoon no. Network? The brain in the like soup, yes. the chemical okay. cocktail, like glass ball. And he was mm-hmm. like evil and alive. And it was all about him trying to find like a like a host, like a body. To, That's really funny. That crazy? Concarne, like with, with meat, with yeah. body. <laughs> evil <laughs> with meat. It, only the brain and the stomach survived. But um, yes, he's just like floating in like a chemical soup. That's it. It's just like, here I am, I'm alive. Sounds like a bad soup to me. Sounds like a bad soup. And that is Are You Afraid of the Dark being ahead of its time? Always. So many times. So often. Or really just horror being ahead of its time in general. Okay. So then Dr. Dr. Vink begins to, well, he does the nutbag quip because behind his back, Danny calls him a nutbag. And then he keeps talking to them about the riddles and the brains. And then a minute later, he turns back and he says, and I am not a nutbag. And they both are like, oh, no, because, you know, kind of he shouldn't have heard that sort of thing. And apparently that happens mm. several more times whenever he's introduced. It's like a little little runner, little running joke. Nice. And so he then gives the first riddle to the boys. And the first mm. riddle is how far can you walk into the woods? When I first heard that, like I, I knew the answer because. I don't know. My family likes riddles. And my sister likes wordplay and stuff. Yeah. Did you know the answer when you heard it? The first one, I was, I, I think, half paying attention to the actual riddle. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like think about it. I was like, I'm about yeah. to find out the answer. So I didn't like think about it right. that hard. Yeah. The, the, the main riddle, I know like the back of my hand because I remember it from Same. when I was a kid. But uh, no, I, I didn't, I didn't really like get a chance to think about it before he answered. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, sure. Man, sure. Makes sense. It's fine. Denny is, is like arguing and he says it's too hard and he doesn't, you know, whatever. And then Buzz answers and says halfway because after that you'd be walking out. Yeah. You know, Dr. Vink's like, you may do. Very good. You know, he's <laughs> impressed with Buzz's riddle solving skills. And at this point, Denny's like, okay, well then let us call our parents. We need to call our parents now. And then Vink gets these like garden shears, these giant scissors. And he <laughs> makes a big show of like threatening to cut the cord on yeah, the phone. Like, why is there a phone in this cabin? Like <laughs> that was my like that was my next question. I don't like, get why? It. it seems totally like you know, out of place. distance. He's totally off the grid. There's no way there's power out there in this cabinet in the nineties, at least. Yeah. It doesn't seem, he sure yeah, it has doesn't a phone. seem that there he's would phone, be, phone lines. Uh, but they got a phone, they got a phone, phone service and, and he's going to cut the cord if, uh, they don't listen basically. Um, and he, he basically says, unless he says they're going to play his way, which is just, ugh. yeah. Right. And then he, he tells them if they solve another riddle, then they can call their parents. And if not, then they have to leave. Yeah. That's all he says. 
And Buzz is like, no, I can do this. I'm good at riddles. I got it. And Buzz looks at Denny and he goes, let's do it. I'm good at riddles. <laughs> and I was like, like, what? I'm good at riddles. I'm good at riddles. He just looks so <laughs> dumb. Poor kid. I don't know. I'm good at I'm riddles. I'm just like, like how do, how is he directed? I know. Why is he saying I, it like and that? And all of his dialogue is kind of like that. It's all like over projected. It's a little bit off. Either he's screaming it or he's like, I'm good at riddles. Yeah. Did you also notice around this point when Vink goes to grab the barrel and you see like his full kind of person for the first time, mm-hmm. like his like robe and everything he has, go- he has going on. There's a handprint on the back of his robe on the butt. Did no. you notice that? <laughs> yeah. No. So it's like either he was just like, had like a dirty hand one day and just went for like a butt scratch or there was a situation in which somebody was in his vicinity who gave him a little smack in the tush. Oh little, my little goodness. Pop. This is scandalous. One of the funniest I things. I have to go back. I'm assuming it's just a butt scratch from, from himself. That's another level right little there. Little details like that. I'm just trying to find them. I'm for it. I mean, so I was you like, know. I was like, Dad, look at that handprint. <laughs> get, get your giggles, Vink. I like to think that somebody gave him a little smack. <laughs> somebody. I don't know who. Maybe it was his wife, the witch. You know, maybe it was Mrs. That'd be Clove. nice. She stopped maybe by it was Mrs. after Clove. her Halloween. Oh, she yeah, lives in a big so old house bad. by herself and kicked him out to the woods to do his experiments. She doesn't like him. That's his man cave. He just needed to get, he needed to get yes. out. Yes, yeah. I I like this. Yes, I think that's exactly what's going on. Listen here, Clove. I'm going to the woods. I'm going to go make <laughs> some more ghosts. So as we hear, Buzz is good at riddles, mm. and he's like, "We should do it." And so they decide to agree to these I'm terms. Good at riddles. And so then Dr. Vink gives them the riddle, which is as follows. What is it? What? Okay, I'm going to try that again. Let's <laughs> Let's take, take it back. All right. Yep. And How many white one claws? more time. Just, just the two. Mm. It's not bad. Just two. Just two. Um, sure. The riddle is as follows. What is it that has no weight, can be seen by the naked eye, and if you put it in a barrel, it will make the barrel lighter? I knew this answer, but I couldn't remember if I knew it from this show or if it was from like a book because I was the kid that like checked out like riddle and joke books from the library. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know, but uh, it's a pretty good one. It's a good and, one. And I mean, that's it's not outside the realm of like possibility for a kid to come up with, you know, as just hearing it the first time. So yeah. that's that's pretty good. But it's still like a head scratcher. It definitely is. I remember taking it to school and being like, <laughs> you guys like riddles? And I was like. You know, I thought I was the cool kid because people couldn't answer it. They're like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's a tough one. I like stumping people. I did, especially as a kid. That was fun. I just like having me. talking points. Like I'm the kind of guy that listens to podcasts on the way to like a thing, like an event. Yes. Just for the talking points. Me too. Without podcasts and TikTok, no one would ever want to listen to me. Woof. Tell me about it. Oh, I have fun facts, but I gotta. I, I always have to study up <laughs> before I'm expected to interact with with people so yeah he gives him this riddle and denny is like i hate riddles like it obviously is just like the kind of kid that just gets mad when he can't you know immediately answer something or he feels like he looks stupid he just gets mad and we all know kids like that me but buzz is also stumped which is kind of a bummer and then (laughs) vink pulls this like willy wonka where he's just like oh you can't get it. Never mind. And he just goes to read his book and like across the room <laughs> yeah. and they're like, okay, yeah. but I mean, you know, like they, they're like, what, do, what's going, what do we do? And he's like, oh, go be gone. Like it, it's just very Willy Wonka. Like you're mm-hmm. no use to me anymore. Very like, dismissive. Yeah. I have to get on with my day now. Yeah. So dismissive. I thought you were smart. Yeah. He says, you're just like the others. 
Um, and then they're like, what others? And he literally says, go away. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he gives them directions to this dirt road and he tells them that there's going to be this taxi cab that's going to pick them up. And then they're like, no, that's whack. And then he suggests an alternative, which is that they could provide him with a quote unquote specimen. And uh, he remarks that uh, Buzz is smarter than Denny gives him credit for. So the boys are kind of, you know, not sure how to respond to this. And then he turns around uh, and grabs this giant jar. You know, it's the big reveal where he turns around and shakes it in their face. And it's this big giant jar with what seems to be a human yeah. hand inside of it. Which, that's pretty dark. That is pretty dark that when got you me. think about it. I was yeah, thinking about like, it from a kid's perspective. I was like, oh, shoot. Think about it. You're in this cabin. This creepy dude is like... Well, if you can't solve my riddle, you know, you can give me a piece of your body. Sure. That's a trade-off. Give me part of you. I will chop off your hand right now. Yeah. And yeah, that's very it's like pre it's pretty spooky. Yeah, the, the peril there, it's very immediate. And you realize that he's done it before. You know, it's not like, you know, you realize that he has been violent. Yeah. He's been violent. He yes. has harmed other people. Yes. Even children. Maybe even especially children. Oh, and that's too much. That's so much. Um, so yeah, like it's kind of cheesy 90s, you know, fake hand, uh, and they run away. But in this context of the story, it's not a fake hand, and he's mutilating people in the mountains. So mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, of course, like classic 90s style, they scream and they run. I like the camera, like the shot of this. Like they run out of the hut, and the camera's like tilted on its side, yeah. like watching them almost from the ground. And he kind of comes out and looks on after them and does his his laugh. Yeah, it's like a like a Dutch angle. Yes. That kind of like Dutch askew. Angle. Yeah. Yes, it, things are askew. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, we end up popping back out of the story to hear from the Midnight Society. And then, so they're debating the riddle and whether it can actually be solved. And uh, I think Kristen right. calls it a cheat. She's like, that, that's a cheat, which yeah. I think is funny because it's phrasing that we wouldn't use like now today right. normally, but that's a it's cheat. A cheat. You know, it's like we would say, I would personally probably be like, it's a trick. Right. But right. Gary is like pretty optimistic and he's like, maybe it can be solved. And he, he seems to be like catching on. To something so frank is just basically you know still <laughs> still sitting there blindfolded and he's like or you could just like let me tell the rest of the story instead of like guessing so that i could get out of this damn blindfold <laughs> <laughs> so they uh they're he's like, so angry. okay and he, he's also so like lighten up yeah i love the way they talk me too it's just so classic i 90s. never really talked like that as a kid but i tried to like quote things like that and use i did the quotes because i thought that's how you were supposed to talk me too like read my lips and yeah. stuff like that like, how people would you, don't well, i don't know what you would call it but it was very prevalent in the 90s very prevalent um, it's like it's slang but it's not like there there was slang but the slang in the 90s was way more I don't know like, if it's like what adults thought like literary? kids slang was. Uh, probably. So strange. Um, but I didn't mind it. I always I like it now because it feels nostalgic to me now. I like the I love the nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and speaking of that, like so when when Frank gets back to his story, he says, uh, "Denny and Buzz beat feet back into I, the woods." Yeah. <laughs> I remember that it beat feet, <laughs> and that is like that is such an uncommon idiom. And that one, I'm personally like fine with the fact that it died out. Because uh, I don't like that. He would have said like booked it, booked it, booked it, busted tail, it. or something like that. Like it's crazy. High tailed it. All different ways to say hauled ass. <laughs> yeah, they hauled ass for sure. But like beat feet, beat Ugh. feet. Um, I have a note to mention that this is actually the only episode, which you know, I guess they do introduce new people from time to time, but this is the only episode where the storyteller remains blindfolded for the whole story. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny. So scary hand brandish in front of them. They run. Screaming, um, and then they are discussing it, and of course, 
the first question is, was that somebody's hand? Which, yes, that's what that was. In case you're wondering. And then they call him a lunatic and they say when they get home, they're going to call the cops on him. You know, they're, they're kind of catching their breath. They've mm-hmm. magically found their way to this dirt road. Then when Denny says, yeah, get real, there's no cabs in the woods, then obviously horn honks. Yep. And you see two headlights that shine through the trees, which is like a nice horror like visual. That's two in a row now with the pilot and then this cab. Yeah, the just the car creeping, headlights the creeping. The creeping car. It's yeah. pretty dark because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's that idea of the stalking or the idea of there's something coming for you yeah. and it's you very, can't outrun it. very serial killer stalker-esque. It's very, yeah. very spooky. Yeah. Serial killer. Yeah, definitely. There are so many like serial killers that use cars or that car jack or whatever. So something about all it. All the all the movies about serial killers. It's all or even like even the documentaries. I mean, just there's so much emphasis on moments where they were driving a car or mm-hmm. a car was spotted or somebody got into a car that shouldn't have got, shouldn't have got into mm-hmm. and somebody had like a license plate and a description. It's always car focused, car centered. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. Because, yeah, I mean, people... They made their, their getaways. Yeah. Else fleeing. Yeah. It's getaway car. Yeah. And, I mean, same kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, like the fear of being kidnapped as a kid or whatever. It's like you always were on the lookout for sketchy looking cars. Oh, always. Because you could just be snatched in at any point. We had like a neighborhood gang as a kid. Like we were riding our bikes everywhere. We were super cool. We were booing houses. <laughs> um, but, like, Boo. we had adults stopping to talk to us as we were out, like, playing. Mm-hmm. Cars would stop. And they yes. would talk to us and try to get us to answer questions or come over. Like it happened. Yeah. So did you ever have that experience? Did you have like, did you play outside a lot? Yeah, oh, I played outside all the time, but I, it was drilled into me to avoid any cars that I didn't know, people that I didn't know. And even to this day, like I work downtown where we live and occasionally I'll be walking and have a car, like roll down the window, try to talk to me. Usually it's people asking directions or whatever. Yeah. Um, but even in those instances, I'm very wary of like walking toward the car. Well, that's what they do. They ask for directions though. Is that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the thing is always like, hey, you guys know where this is? Ugh. Even now mm-hmm. as an adult, if somebody tries to stop and talk to me, ask directions, I get spooked. Yep. I'm like... I mean, you have a phone, don't you? Like, Sure. And that's always my question. There are other ways you could figure this out. Like, you shouldn't be asking me. No, I'm not about Not that. to say that I'm not a helpful person, but like, man, I'm jaded. <laughs> uh, I think, it, I think I it's cautious. It. I think it's careful. There's no, because people do get kidnapped. People do have things stolen. People. Yes. It's Ted Bundy, you know? Yes, it's exactly. The guy with the crutches, you know, help me with it's my. A, that's, that's like the perfect example. I am crippled. I need help. Someone is vulnerable and needs yeah, help. I need and help with my some car. Some people are quick to act on that kind of stuff. And I, I want to be quicker, but Ted Bundy. <laughs> but Ted Bundy. I know Bundy, too much. He yeah. was, I mean, apex predator. And mm. it's just so scary. So all that to say, if you're a child and you're listening to this, stop. But also <laughs> if you're an adult or if you are listening to this, like any good true crime podcast, I love, I listen to so many of them. They all just say, hey, just, you know, just think twice just be careful just think twice just run it over one more time one more thought it's not your fault if it happens but you might be able to prevent it and save yourself a world of pain yes like that's the main thing i mean that's just why we teach our kids to be careful and don't trust strangers don't talk to strangers yeah that's it we should that's a good rule for everyone it is it's so scary um yes so yeah this old-fashioned cab pulls up to the boys in this dirt road in the woods and there's this insert shot of the like where the phone number would be up at the top i can't remember what it's called but where the lights and the phone number would be oh yeah and yeah, yeah. it's a series of fours like all four 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 i was four, wondering four, four. what that meant like, that's the yeah 
I definitely dug in and tried to, you know, figure out what the fours would be. And I couldn't find anything like pointing to what they did as far as what was intentional. Mm -hmm. But I did look up like fours in numerology. Oh, yeah. Supposedly like fours are like a number uh, symbolizing reliability and stability and order. That's so spooky. Um, So it could be like trusting like, you know, this is something that should be normal. This is a convention that people understand is safe. And you're getting in the cab. It's it's reliable. It's there. It's you can trust. It's going to get you where you need to go. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, it's sinister and that it's totally untrue. It's a bit sinister. I love I love that it's not a series of sixes. It's a series of fours. Yeah. Something different. It's once again, that child horror show trope of something that is trustworthy seemingly mm-hmm. harmless mm-hmm. and yet and they do you, you know the boys they they pile right on into the oh, vaccine they get right in they trust like, the scary cat was he sure. saying boy we're glad you're here or something like yeah, that our there's, parents will pay the fare you know that's what they say yeah they're so relieved but it is supposed to be a safe convention it's supposed to be safe it's supposed to be a series of fours you know yes stability i guess um, i, I wish that i knew I, I would like for that to be the reason but i i don't i don't know for sure we're gonna go with yeah we're gonna go with we've yeah. decided that's why uh, yeah. they did it. Because we know better than DJ McHale. No, I think that was his intention. Yeah. So they they pile into the cab and the driver adjusts the rear view mirror to talk to them, which I really like that shot. I like shots with mirrors yeah. and things like that. It's really kind of difficult to do that well, but I think they did. But he adjusts the mirror and it's Flynn. And it's Flynn with like a ton of uh, makeup. <laughs> um, it's yeah. Flynn, but he's, you know, totally white out face totally and his eyes out. are red, which clearly it's not meant to be makeup. He's meant to be, you know, dead. Yeah. Well, um, we know about that. Yeah, we do. We we really intimately know we've about done, that. We've done cheap makeup for no, yes. no budget movies before. <laughs> We on yours truly. made movies and you you played dead people and I've applied dead people makeup and yeah. So we understand. It's kind of hard it's to a do struggle. this well. I mean, ours looked better aside from the, the glitter and the makeup. They really packed it on. They really it. made him look dead. Like really theatrically dead. Theatrically from, dead. I think that's a good way to put it. It's very theatrical. You could tell he was pale from the uh, from the second balcony mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. But anyway, yeah. So Flynn. Flynn, back with a vengeance. Yeah, it's, it's, Flynn's it's Flynn. And he says... That he gives rides to people who can't answer Dr. Fink's riddles. You know, mm-hmm. he, that's the name of the game. And I mean, that's, you like, nobody's mentioning where, where these rides are going. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, even, like even that. they're kind of like, oh, so how long have you been doing this? Like, they're like, yeah, they're they, like chatting them just, up. Like it's a first they kind date. Of are. Like, <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> like that too, the way that it's kind of done. You know, he's kind of tossing these lines over his shoulder. Like he just is a cabbie that's talking to his passengers which is pretty funny, yeah. but he, he tells them, you know, he, he gives rides to people who can't answer riddles. And he says, it happened to me around 40 years ago. And of course, this is the <gasps> moment where yeah, everybody's right. like, 40 years ago, what do you mean? But he tells them that he gave Dr. Vink a ride to his cabin. And then when he couldn't answer the riddle, uh, Dr. Vink took a specimen from him. And then they're like, what do you mean? And then he holds up his sleeve <laughs> with no hand in it. So that's supposed to tell us that it was his hand that was in the You mean the his jar. hand? Was the hand in the jaw? <laughs> that is seemingly what has happened. Crazy. And they're still, you know, talking to him. They haven't quite caught up yet. Like, they've been pretty, you know, on top of it, I guess. Not really. I guess they were lost in the woods and maybe not. Maybe these boys aren't the most the most on top of it. But they're still not quite picking it they're up. They're not as good as Kevin and Dougie. Kevin and Dougie were on no, top of it. No, they, they were on top of it. Kevin and Dougie in... 
Tale of the Twisted Claw. They are on yeah, top of they it. Were These guys are a little more... slower on the uptake. These guys are a little dumb. <laughs> They're pretty stupid. <laughs> and so they then finally begin to wonder what happens to the people who end up in the cab. And uh, Flynn just says that Dr. Vink needs his specimens. Um, which God. Ew. I got a big old specimen for you, Dr. Vink. Ooh, oh, God. I got a, a oh, I did one. not need to hear that. No. Mm-mm. Talking about my leg. Did you leave the handprint on his robe? <laughs> yes. Was it you? <laughs> what if you find out? Should have just told me. Could have come clean. <laughs> what if you find out that his hand, Flynn's hand, was the one that left the handprint <laughs> oh, it was on the, his... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh that could be. Who knows? Mm. Who knows, really? We don't understand what they've been doing out here. They've been in the woods oh, for I could 40 see years. Mrs. Clove going, oh, Dr. Vink, <laughs> we can play lemon mouth. <laughs> so we've learned now that perhaps there's a something budding between Flynn and Dr. Vink. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, sweet, sweet romance. He was his first. He, he was said, his first. Who's going to tell Mrs. Clove? My God, what a scandal. She did kick him out, though, so she kind of had it come. That might have been why. Oh, she found out. Aww. We're really figuring this out Aww. here. You heard it here first, folks. God, there is there is a love triangle in Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I'm so glad we've just uncovered it. I'm so glad. <laughs> We're not even three episodes in, and we've already got this figured out. We cracked a, a mystery. Well, we are. Solved a, cra- wow, cracked a mystery, solved a code. We're, One of those things. We solved the mystery. Cracked, I mean, we solved the code. We did the crack. Cosby we now? did crack. No, Why? not Bill Cosby. No, I got. I had Bill Cosby. I, I like to okay. drug. Hey Bill. I like to put hey drugs Bill. Into Do you want to hear more about what happened to? Teach the... me about your French bread pizzas. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um. So. Yeah. What happens to the people who end up in the cab? And Flynn's like, Doctor Vink needs his specimens. And then Denny still hasn't caught on quite yet. Um, just an angry child. He yells out and he argues and he's like, you're a liar. Like, you can't be that old, basically. Because <laughs> he looks to be roughly in his 30s, late 30s, early 40s, maybe Flynn does. Yeah. Um, but he says that this incident happened 40 years ago. So um, we, we know something's amiss here. And so this, this was my favorite moment of the whole episode. And I mean, most of these episodes have like a good reveal, like a big moment, like a big scare or whatever. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Real casual, Flynn still talking like a cabbie, tossing it over his shoulder to the boys. Uh, He says, didn't I tell you? Before I gave Dr. Vink my specimen, I got in a nasty little accident. Crashed right into this big old tree. And he says, you might say, I sort of died. (laughs) I sort of died. And he spins his head around 180 degrees and you hear the snapping of his neck. It's spooky. It's spooky. Like, it's pretty dark. That's pretty dark. Honestly. It is honestly. That is the exorcist where her head spins around. Yep. And straight up. Beetlejuice, yes, which kind of so directly references the exorcist when his head spins around. Mm-hmm. But this is pretty much a Beetlejuice move where his head pulls yes. the 180 and he gets to talk to yeah. them directly. That is so mm-hmm. I had I had Beetlejuice in my spoopy. note to say because it is it's just yeah. like it's unsettling. And so then he he says, you know, I sort of die. It honestly it like got me. Yeah. Cause it's it's he's, he, he he's so casual about the other the I got and it's ugh, the, to think about the dialogue he's actually saying. He's like, I got in a nasty little accident, I crashed right into this big old tree. And then mm-hmm. he has this, you might say, I sort of died. Like there's this big moment of like evil feeling. Oh, 
my kitty's my kitty's yelling. That's a buzz. That's buzz. Oh. Yeah, buzz wants to be in the podcast. Um, that's official. pretty dark, isn't it, buddy? You you jumped whenever we watched it together. He you didn't like this moment, <laughs> um, but you, you see just Flynn's face yeah. uh, in this frame. So you see just his face, and he's t- turned around 180 degrees on his neck. Ugh. Um, and I mean, this is like almost three decades later and it's, it's still, still like, I'm, I'm like aware of the bad makeup. I'm aware of everything and it is still really yeah. disturbing. It was a good job to look at. They did good for sure. Yeah. I think yeah. they did. They did well. Then the boys scream, of course, and you get a shot of the cab just flying down the, mm-hmm. this winding road in the forest. And that also just freaks me out. Not to mention the fact that we know now that he has this accident, but also just the speed at which they're going and the winding road and the trees everywhere. Like this is unsafe, very unsafe. And then he continues to very casually explain how all the passengers die just like him because every night he has the same accident on mm-hmm. the same route. And then he's like, you might say I'm kind of cursed. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. dark. Like there's a lot to that. Like all of these people mm-hmm. just casually die. Like that's how he's talking about it. It happens every night. You it's know? also, it's very Tower of Terror too. Like yes, they relive this re- this the crash into the elevator. This accident continues to happen every single yeah. night. That's the recurring ghost story. I love that, that. Yeah, it's a very, very common theme in ghosts, you know, lore in general is yeah. this like idea that there's this tragedy or this accident that is very, um, like you can't get past it. Yeah. And so it just continues you to happen. You have to relive it over and over until you settle the unfinished business. Yes. Yeah. Um, very common. I like that they included it really freaks me out and that type of trauma really freaks me out car accidents we talked about it in the episode prior but that whole idea just yeah. absolutely terrifies me always lots has. of parallels yeah in the first chapter and so he's saying you know all these passengers died just like me because every night i have the same accident um and then buzz is like he, he references back to those vibrating shaking bushes outside of the, <laughs> the cottage and he's like that's that was what we heard like those are the ghosts and then flynn is basically saying yep and none of them can leave until somebody solves the riddle Boom. and like he was hoping that the boys could break the curse but then he 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 goes <laughs> and this got me too he goes wait till you see the accident and it's a real doozy god <laughs> and i'm just like ah. I love you know that. i hate it Oh, I love, love it. Hate it. It's just so, so dark. Um, and then he's basically telling him, but you still got some time. We don't crash for another uh, 30 seconds. Think <laughs> fast, boys. And it's just the pressure is now on for Buzz to come up with the answer to this riddle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I have a really awful, horrific, terrible, tragic um, aside right now. Wow. All right. Yes. I, oh my gosh. I don't know that you've heard of it. I can't remember if we've ever talked about it. I remember vaguely hearing about it because it's most of the articles are from like, well, the incident occurred in 2011. Really? And I remember hearing about this type of stuff at the time. <clears throat> so I, I started to like look for lore about ghostly cab drivers or like phantom cab drivers. And of course, in the mix of that, you start to get the hitchhiking ghost kind of lore. And we know that that's not a new concept. We're not inventing it. Right. Are You Afraid of the Dark didn't invent it. And in fact, they use it many other times. Yeah. All kinds of films. Uh, the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> like hitchhiking ghosts are very... Um, yeah common in lore it was kind of like brought into a mainstream awareness through the alvin schwartz scary stories to tell in the dark yes scary stories to tell in the dark he collected a lot of these old more modern urban legends and lores that are just so scary so i think he popularized this idea it had been around and he just sort of like yeah but so a couple of his famous ones had to do with like hitchhiking ghosts and such and i mean it's it so common in ghost stories personally i might talk about it another time but the only ghost that i think i've really seen with my own two eyes in my life was also walking along the side of the road yeah 
I just saw one recently I told you about. Yes. On the side of the road. Yeah. Just a very so common spooky. thing. Yeah. But it's so common. <laughs> this whole phenomenon still blew my mind. Okay. So. I'm ready. Have you ever heard of the haunted cab drivers in, I want to make sure that I say it right, Ishinomaki, Japan? Oh. You probably have. I, the only thing I can think of is the aftermath of the tsunami. That's exactly a what I'm about A lot of people about. started to That's see exactly it. ghosts yes. everywhere. Yes. 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 So this tsunami killed almost 16,000 people in yeah, 2011. God, devastating. 16,000 people at one time, which is unfathomable to me. But related to cab drivers, um, as you mentioned, there was widespread, like I'm talking widespread, like dozens, dozens of reports of cab drivers that were experiencing ghost passengers around the time. And yeah. it came back out in the media around 2016 because this college student in Japan did like a thesis, like a sociological thesis on it. Mm. But these cab drivers were stopping to pick up people who then literally just vanished yeah. into thin air. Some of them like were talking with the drivers. Oh, the worst one that I read about this cab driver had a woman that got into the cab, like a ghostly looking woman, got in the cab and, you know, he starts the fair. And she just started asking him repeatedly, have I died? Oh, yeah. Have I died? Have I died? Just over and over. Have I died? Then she disappeared before they reached the destination. That is so spooky to me. A ton of news outlets have reported on it. USA Today reported on it. Not to say that's like the be all end all, but just I happened to click on that article most of the cab drivers just act like this is normal don't mm -hmm. seem to be very phased by it a lot of them have had ghost passengers a lot of people die every day but it's like there were so many uh in this one place that they couldn't all leave at the same time yeah so it's almost like they had to like pass through the hourglass one by one grain at a time almost like yeah, uh... and a lot of them couldn't leave yet they had to wait their turn mm -hmm. it's, oh, it was just so highly concentrated that it took time for each of them to move oh on. God. But I love that because they're just like, oh, yeah, I have passengers all the time. I can't explain. They just disappear. Mm -hmm. And what I was reading said most drivers, like, in, I guess, in that area or that region of Japan, like, they get into the cab and the fare automatically starts calculating, mm -hmm. like, as they go. And so yeah. most of these cab drivers just pay the fare themselves. That's what I was about to say. That is so beautiful to me. Yeah, they just pay the fare. It's like, I guess that's their way of saying, this is my contribution to you moving on. Mm -hmm. If I give you your ride, if I give you your lift mm -hmm. to where you need to go and I pay yes. your fare, you get to move on. I helped you get to where you needed to go. I love that. Yeah, me too. I mean, look it up if you want to. There's there's a ton of uh, like articles and resources on, on it. But I'm so glad you found that because I did not think about that at all. I'm so glad yeah. you looked it, that up. It, God, I mean, it's not directly, you know, it's not, the, the cab driver is not a ghost, but. Well, no, I mean, it still ties Very in. ghostly cab driver related story, nonetheless. No, it's so, perfect. Back in the death cab of Flynn. Flynn's death cab. That's a good restaurant name. Ooh. Oh, there's a death cab for cutie, but right. whatever. That, yeah. that little thing. That cutie. little blip on the old music radar. <laughs> Inconsequential music. Oh. <clears throat> Only one of my favorite bands of all They're time. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah amazing. Uh, but yeah, back in the cab, uh, Buzz, you know, reiterates the riddle for the audience. Anybody that's forgotten, I will remind you as mm. well. Um, what has no weight can be seen by the naked eye. And if you put it in a barrel, uh, it'll make the barrel lighter. And then there's this really, <laughs> I feel like it was a little bit out of place, the shot next where, you know, he reiterates the riddle and then Denny is like comically like pretending to choke him. And he's like yeah. shaking. But <laughs> uh, like, I'm like, yeah, that'll definitely think, help him figure it out. Think. Um, but I think it was like they needed to break up that peril to keep that 
rating or something probably yeah. they had to break it up a little bit and that was kind yeah, of the, you're gonna like, choke in relief i guess so i thought it was out of place too yeah so they start arguing over the possibilities of what the answer could be and denny's like helium and buzz is like you can't see helium and then yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like you can't see air and so they're kind of arguing with each other and then they repeat the riddle way too many times in my opinion yeah. <laughs> and then buzz finally comes up with it and he says it's a hole a hole in the barrel this is just like moments where, and he shouts it too. Same thing, projects it, roll out. A hole, it's a, a hole, hole. barrel. And just moments before, I guess, the crash is about to happen, like suddenly we kind of swirl out of the frame and then we cut to the boys yeah. just kind of landing on the ground, like on the grass near the tree, and we don't see the cab anymore. Um, so they did it. Buzz did it. They did he it. They proved solved himself. It. I say they, they didn't. Buzz did it. Props to right. Buzz. No props to Denny. Props only to Denny Buzz. Denny sucks. <laughs> but they celebrate and they're saved. They hug and then they like push each other away. They're like, oh, gross. Yeah. Oh, typical brothers. Typical um, but then Denny even is like, it wasn't us, but it was, you know, Buzz. It was you. It was you, buddy. And then he says, even though you saved our lives, you're still a loser, basically. <laughs> um, and then I rolled my eyes like four times. And then right. we see some headlights coming over the ridge again with the headlights. But this time it's a park ranger. Yeah. And then he's like, are you Denny and Buzz Crocker? And then he says, like, your parents. He says that their parents are, have been looking for them. And he says the whole town is in an uproar. Yeah. So they've been missing for a while at this point, I guess. They've been gone for a while. It was at least, it was one day and one night. But, I mean, that's a long time for kids there at their age. That's I true. Guess, so. That's true. And in the woods. Which begs the question, why did you let them go into the woods, just the two of them? Right, right. <laughs> So, uh, but the park ranger is like, what are you boys doing up here anyway? And then Buzz does his funny little line. He's like, tell me something. How are you at riddles? And he just smiles, this grin, smile. I hate like precocious children. I know. Precocious is the word. Yeah. How are you at riddles? Stop it. Stop talking to me like you're an adult. You're a child. <laughs> I don't like being sized up by a little boy. <laughs> I don't, I kind of like, I, not, I don't know about, preco like the delivery I don't like, but I like kids that are, you know, smart. It makes me uncomfortable. tell you off. I don't like kids <laughs> that are smarter than me. You don't teach me, yeah, I teach so you. So then, then the ranger takes them home and it's happily ever after, except for like, you know, all the dead and maimed people, I guess. Well, so I was going to say this. I think about those people that didn't solve the riddle. And I think about these boys. Mm -hmm. Okay, say they didn't solve the riddle. This taxi crashes. They are brutally killed in this car yes. wreck. I mean, mangled, mm -hmm. battered, um, mm -hmm. and it's inexplicable. Ugh. So how are they found, right? Does Dr. Vink come down the hill, collect their bodies, and then just like drag them back up the hill? Yeah, I guess he does. It's interesting to me. I think like, because that sheriff or the whoever, the, the I don't know. Park ranger. Park ranger. Uh shows up like instantly what would he have seen how would how would he have yeah. explained that don't know just two know. murdered bodies of little boys i mean i think about yeah. like a coroner having to figure out like how these kids died what happened to and them? i'm like <laughs> yeah because they have to look into like the cause and the manner of death mm -hmm. i mean cause was like clearly some kind of a car wreck or something uh, some blunt force well, trauma I, but, now we're getting on on a lot of tangents but have you like there's a story, I cannot remember the name of the mountain, I would have looked it up, but the, the hikers that died and it looked as though they'd been crushed in an avalanche, but there was oh, no yeah. evidence of an avalanche, mm -hmm. kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. So we, we jump back out to the Midnight Society. Frank finishes off the story, no one ever saw the cab again, and when the boys brought the police back to the cabin, so in this universe, you know, they were 
I guess, presumably trying to figure out all this crime and what's going on. Sure. But they brought the police back and nothing was left but an old stone foundation covered with weeds. Yeah. The end. And so Gary, you know, then leads everybody in this silent vote for Frank's induction and has him do thumbs up or thumbs down. And everybody gives a thumbs up. And so it's unanimous. And Frank is now a member of the Midnight Society. Congrats, Frank. I wish I was you. And the episode, (laughs) you know, closes, (laughs) closes with the group, like, giving handshakes and high fives. And, like, in my memory, I was like, they always, like, you know, close it out and douse the fire. Like in my memory, it was like yeah. that always happens. But this is actually one of 21 episodes where that doesn't happen. Really? So there are quite a few where that doesn't happen, but that's how it ends. Nice. Yeah. Um, but I do like the nod to this childlike, I can prove myself with my smarts and I might not be big and strong, but mm-hmm. my mind might save the day. And I think I kind of thought that way as a kid because I'm a pretty small person. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm still like not even barely 100 pounds and almost 30. So it's like I'm... I'm a small person, always been very small in stature, but that idea that I have a mind that's strong. Yeah. And so it's kind of a touch on that type of trope. Mm-hmm. And I still think I kind of have that fantasy somehow. It's like my mind will help me. Oh, yeah. I'm wow. not big and strong, but I can I can solve a riddle. Um, and yeah, the again, with the car accident thing, it was very nonchalant, just mentioned over and over. Mm-hmm. Like this brutal car accident, pretty dark, yeah. very dark. Pretty dark. But, you know, didn't write down to kids. It was like a tragic thing and they included it and so you you know know. each time they usually are but definitely two times in a row now kids are presented with a very very like dire situation uh, Mm -hmm. with real life consequences to their actions that they have to figure out both these first episodes are very very urgent they're very philosophical and very deep (laughs) it's like you have you really have only a matter of time like it's it's uh, it's crazy so i let's let's rate this episode gotcha uh i guess you rate it you rate it first because i i covered it so or would you like me to go first so no i can go first um let me think about it so dr vink even though i love him as a villain he's not that scary and you know the whole getting lost in the woods and then having to solve this riddle it's not scary to me as an episode but this is one of the ones i remember most so i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know what that says about me Hmm. I don't know if it's just the riddle and how proud I was to have a riddle to tell my friends at school <laughs> or or what, but I wouldn't say it's super scary. I would say it's, um, I, I guess I'd give it like a four or a five. Okay. I mean, the head turning around is pretty spooky. Yeah. The dead, you know, the death cab basically where you're going to get out, you're going to die if you don't solve yeah. the riddle. So in, impending doom is always very scary. But it's more thrilling to me than frightening, mm. I guess I would say. It was just uh, the fact that the, they had to solve the riddle and that's what was going to kill them, basically. Mm-hmm. Not. It's just like, this is an inevitability. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's opposite for me. Because I think we mentioned last time how realism is kind of how I mark the how scary something is. Yeah. I gave it a six, I would say. Nice. Six out of ten. Mostly because of this, like, neck-snapping car accident ghost. The neck-snapping um, is... And the idea yeah. of the car accident. And, you know, like, I, I agree. Dr. Vink doesn't really do it for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, not really terrified of him. But the car accident thing absolutely added to my anxiety as a child and 100% stuck with me. But I'm not also not worried that my, you know, cab or Uber driver is a ghost. Like, I'm more yeah. concerned with whether or not they're going to, like, assault me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That part's not really... A fear of mine. I'm not. I'm not really worried about running into a mad scientist in the woods, and I don't mind riddles. Riddles are fun. Like being in a stranger's car is scary, and like not having control of the situation. Yeah. And the fact that if this was a guy in real life, he would be making like a conscious decision to wreck that cab. 
So it's kind of scary right. too, mm-hmm. that you could basically just be in a car with like a maniac of, of any kind. And of I hate that. That variety. I think that 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 parallel or that like yeah, it it wasn't that situation, but that was a very similar idea to just this wild maniac that's gonna have a car accident, so and that is very scary to me. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So that was the tale of the Phantom Cab, episode one of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. What do you think Dr. Vink is? What do I think he is? Yeah. If we're talking like supernatural entities. Or... Oh, oh, I mean. He comes back multiple times and he's not a ghost. He's more of like a wizarding sort of. He kind of, of is. Like weird supernatural magical guy yeah. in my mind. He is kind of kind of like a wizard. I don't know. He's hard to he's hard to figure out. Maybe more like further episodes will get will shed more light on like the his yeah, the nature we'll learn more of his, about him. We'll track character. that. Yeah. You can tell us what you think he is as well. Kind of what kind yeah, of like category he fits into. I have some ideas, but I'm gonna save them till we till we know more about him. But nice. Um yeah, but like give us some more of your uh stories or things that are relevant to this and what scares you what scared you about this episode or or what um in general what affiliations you as a child, yes, yeah please. anything you have any memories you have or anything that you want to add to this uh, that'd be fantastic so yeah thanks again for listening for clicking please click all the rest of our buttons yeah click our buttons push our buttons and um subscribe yeah i guess we can just say pleasant dreams everyone pleasant dreams everyone go follow us on all the uh, socials please do bye bye Thanks for listening to That's Pretty Dark, written and produced by Christian Baxter-Mott and Kaylin Andrews. Our music is composed by Jonathan Simmons, and our art is provided by Paige Garland at Power Girl Illustration. Join the collective nostalgia and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at That's Pretty Dark Podcast. Share your experiences and let us know what shows, films, or villains still haunt you from childhood at That's Pretty Dark Podcast at gmail.com. Remember... You're never really alone. So, until next time, sweet dreams, everyone. Let's do it. I'm good at riddles.